We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast presented by WinBet. Check out winbet.com for all of your sports wagering needs. In just a second, I'll be joined by Kenny Ducey, who makes his second appearance on the podcast. Uh, he and I just got off the air doing the DraftKings morning show. Uh, so we're going to keep it rolling. Talk more Bucks Suns, game one. Uh, less than ideal outcome for the Milwaukee Bucks last night, who finally had a great three-point shooting game, but still lost by double digits despite hitting 16 threes, despite Giannis Antetokounmpo suiting up, starting, playing pretty well in that game. Uh, so we'll dig into game one, look ahead to game two tomorrow night, and then finish out with a look at the newly released regular season MVP odds for 2021-22. Those are up on the DraftKings Sportsbook. For the second straight season, Luka Doncic opens as the betting favorite, uh, but it's a really deep field once again. I mean, legitimately 10 or 12 guys that could take home that award. So we'll dig into all the possibilities. It was great to chat with Kenny again. Uh, he has some really interesting thoughts uh, on the finals and just how the rest of that series might play out. Uh, full disclosure, we did find our way into some Damian Lee talk toward the end of the podcast, so make sure you stick around for that. Uh, but without further ado, let's get to Kenny. In the hands of Waiters, three seconds left for three in the win. Backed by popular demand, Kenny Ducey, DraftKings contributor, among many other things uh, in the sports media world. Kenny, we got some really positive feedback uh, about your last appearance on the show. Wow, really? Weeks ago. Popular demand? Popular demand. There was people demand are, people for me? Are beating down my door saying, bring Kenny Ducey back on the podcast. Uh, no, I just had a couple of Rotowire guys who listened to it that said, who is that guy? He was really good. So people liked hearing your takes about the NBA. <laughs> That's that would be a first. Yeah, that's uh, uh, one of my my good friends likes to make fun of me. I'm just a take guy. That's my job now. I have to, I have to have a take. And uh, last night my take was, hey, the Bucks are gonna win this game, and it was incredibly incredibly wrong. And uh, I feel like an idiot for saying that. And let's try to come up with a better take here. How about that? Yeah, well, I, I, the reason I have you on, of course, is to talk Bucks Suns game one. Uh, you and I had some good back and forth on the DraftKings show this morning. Uh, we, we covered a lot of the angles. Uh, Julian Edlow, another DK guy, uh, threw in some takes as well. But man, my, my overarching takeaway was with Giannis playing in this game, with Giannis putting up a, what, 20 and 17. Um, I, they, they kept saying on the broadcast, by the way, like DeAndre Ayton is the first player, was it since Duncan, to have 15 and 15 in his first finals game? Like Giannis, this was also his first finals game. He did the same thing. Uh, but that's an aside. For as much as the books got out of Giannis, you know, in a game that it looked like they might not have him for at all until like two hours before tip off for them to hit 16 three pointers in this game for Chris Middleton, for the most part, to have a really good game. Um, you know, they even got something out of Bryn Forbes uh, late in the, in the second half when they yeah. were kind of threatening a few times uh, to trim into that lead. It, it just felt like the Suns were able to be on cruise control for most of the night, despite playing like a B plus game. And, and the Bucks didn't play an A plus game. They probably didn't even play an A game. Um, but for them to basically have their B plus game and have it be this much, you know, this far behind Phoenix's, if that makes sense, it's, it's a little discouraging heading into game two tomorrow night. 
Yeah, I'm uh, I'm definitely very discouraged. I mean, you know, the you talked about the three-pointers. 11 of them were in the second half. They shot 50% from three in the second half. All game long, they you know they turned the ball over 13 times to Phoenix's nine. It wasn't like they really got killed there. They they played a really good game, all things considered, and that that is definitely what's freaking me out about the fact that the the Suns kind of blew the door off, doors off them. And I mentioned on the show, but you know one of the things that really uh, stuck out to me as a spread better here is early in the game, you know, they were missing putback tips. Uh, they were missing short, you know, just high percentage shots. I mean, Drew Holiday missed a little bit around the rim. So did Giannis. Um, maybe, you know, he did have those highlights and he did look really good for, you know, basically all of us just counting that he wasn't going to play. Um, but they still kind of missed around the rim. And, you know, th- those kind of add up. And I think that's what happened a little bit is that, the Phoenix Suns controlled in the front court. And my thinking in going into that game was, okay, well, I don't think like Brooke Lopez is amazing, right? But they have a, a, a big man and in Brooke Lopez, and they have Giannis, who is the center. And they also, you know, Bobby Portis kind of gave them good good minutes uh, against a decent Hawks front court in the last couple of games without Giannis. So maybe this is like a better attack against Aiton, you know, than, than Avisa Zubats and whatever is left of the Clippers front court. It was like Marcus Morris. And, you know, so I I thought that maybe, you know, he would bother, he wouldn't bother them as much, but he did. And I think that that was sort of where the game was won for me was, was down low. Um, And I think that there's just so much, the the Phoenix Suns can shoot so much better. I'm not sure how much better because they really like didn't shoot that well against the Clippers, but probably a little bit better. And that, that's sort of the moral of the story here is, how much better can the Bucks play? I don't think it's much. Um, they also played pretty good on defense, but uh, you know, I, I think that there's real concerns there, and that's sort of that's sort of where I am after game one. I, I just kind of feel like this is reassuring myself that the Bucks are not a good team. They are not a well-coached team at all, and they are fronts. I think that's fair. I, I don't think they're a great team. I think they're a very good team. I don't think they're the caliber of team that would typically win the finals or typically make it to the finals. Most teams that are shooting 31% from three for the playoffs are eliminated, uh, usually in round one, for sure in round two. Uh, they, they often don't have the benefit of playing the banged up Atlanta Hawks in the Eastern Conference finals. Um, I, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say the Bucks are frauds, but they're not as good as they were the previous two years. I was watching the game Agreed. with a bunch of friends in Milwaukee last night. And that was something we kept coming back to. Like, man, like the 2018-19 team or the 2019-20 team beats this Suns team. That's what we felt, at least. That they had they had more weapons. You know, they, they didn't have more star power necessarily, but they went deeper. Like, the, those Bucks teams almost felt like this Suns team where, you know, you're going to get contributions from Cam Johnson, from campaign. Uh, you know, even Torrey Craig gave them good minutes on the defensive end. Like, it, it's, it just feels like the Bucks with Dante DiVincenzo out, with Giannis limited, um, it just feels like they run out of options really quickly. And this didn't seem like a bad bud game to me necessarily. In fact, I thought he made pretty much every adjustment that he could. The problem is the adjustments just aren't very good. Like, you know, putting in Bobby Portis for 14 minutes, that's only good. That's not going to get you that far. You know, Pat yeah. Connaughton didn't, didn't offer a whole lot in this game, although he did yeah. hit two threes. Like, they just don't really have the manpower to make the adjustments that I feel like are, are sitting right there on paper. Yeah, I, I love that, like, Budenholzer's big adjustment is always – just I'm going to put in Jeff Teague. I'm going to push the Jeff Teague button. And uh, I, you know, I was watching the game last night with a buddy of mine who's joking, like, you're going to be so mad when he puts in Jeff Teague. And, and it's true. Like he just um, yeah, I mean, look, he's pushing all the buttons that he can right now. And as you mentioned, you know, Bryn Forbes was was like one of their best players in that Heat series, which seems so long ago. Remember how well they played against the Heat? And we were all just like. You know, oh, well, the Bucks, you know, whoever they might beat the Nets, and if they beat the Nets, they're going to win the finals. But it, it definitely seemed like he did do a better job. You mentioned that on our show, and I agree. I think that that you know, Bud did pretty much everything he could have done. But I, I guess what it comes back down to for me is like I don't trust Chris Middleton to play well every game this series, and I think that that's a a pretty uh, understandable fear. I think that everyone has seen. Chris Middleton be just about as bad as you can be in this postseason, and he's been great. He's had some great games, but you know that that you know he he's not going to string together three good games. And my 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 main concern here is we which we didn't really talk about is Drew Holiday. 
Um, you mentioned last season, you know, their struggles in the postseason and how this team is not as good. Drew Holiday was supposed to fix that. They had issues on the defensive side. And, you know, I think that there was a lot of thought that, okay, well, Drew Holiday helps. He can be a two-way player for us. And he has not helped really fix the struggles that they had in the backcourt. And also, you know, Chris Paul had did a really good job on Drew Holiday last night. He was 0 for 4, 4 for 14, I believe, from the field. Um, you know, Drew was there to pl- to make plays for the Bucks, and he he did that, and that's sort of what he did in the Hawks series. But they need more scoring. That that that's just about as easy as you can put it. Um, you know, the 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 meme threes from Brook Lopez are gonna fall. They've fallen in postseasons past. They. They fell last night. The the Bryn Forbes meme threes might fall too, but they, they need that that 25, 30 point night from Drew Holiday every time out. And the Phoenix Suns, you know, they they were one of the best defenses this year. And I think that we need to give them credit for shutting down Drew Holiday last night. I mean, no one everyone was talking about Drew Holiday entering last night's game. And after game one, no one is talking about Drew Holiday. And I just think that that we, that's a conversation that needs to be had. And I think that he's probably the, uh, you know, the proverbial X factor that, you know, the, the Bucks need to, to get back in the series. Yeah, Holiday was a minus 16 in his 40 minutes. Um, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. There were, as has been the case in some of his other bad games in these playoffs, he'll have like a three minute run where, you know, he finishes something at the rim or he gets a steal on defense and ignites a fast break. But on the whole, it was not great. And, and you know, he almost had a triple-double. But you need more scoring, especially on a night when Giannis is only playing 35 minutes. It felt like less, honestly. It felt like he was on the bench for really long stretches in this game. I, I felt like he was more he was more effective in the first half, especially that first quarter. Like, you know, I didn't know if this was going to be an Anthony Davis situation where 20 seconds in, it's like, please get this man off the court. Like, I'm not even comfortable watching this. But I thought he looked really good. Uh, in the first quarter and, and and still fine in the second half, but um, maybe maybe was running a little bit low on energy, a, a little bit rusty after not playing in a week. But again, I, I feel like if you're Milwaukee, you have to be really encouraged by what you got from Giannis. It, it just Absolutely, stings a little yeah. bit more. It just stings a little bit more to take this loss with Giannis playing and, and playing fairly well. Yeah, I, you know, wh- the highlight for me yesterday was Giannis pushing. I mean, it was early, but he shoved DeAndre Ayton and then dunked in his face. And that was sort of what I thought was going to set the tone for the night. I was like, oh, Giannis is here. Giannis is going to have a good game. Yeah. And he did. He was, 2017 was good. And I think that as as much as we talk about, and this is sort of the same narrative that I was fighting in the Clippers series when my beloved Clippers lost, you know, they, everyone's going to scream, okay, well, there's, you know, variance and the, the Suns are going to shoot better than 33%. And Devin Booker's not going to go one for eight. You know, all, all that's well and good. And that's true, but Giannis could easily have like a a 40 point night in one of these next two games. I mean, you know, there was obviously some some concerns there late in the game. You tried to lead them back. They they came back. They pushed it to I believe it was like seven. And then they were they were, you know, he sort of had those wild uh, possessions when he was like trying to pass out of doubles and. I, I just think that, you know, he needs to get back into game shape. I know that he did look good, but I think that he's still in a couple games is going to look that much better. Like he wasn't like going to that spin move that he loves to go to. He wasn't um, he, he kind of wasn't seeing the floor as well as I thought he mm-hmm. would. So, I mean, I, I still think that that, you know, give him like a game or two and, and this team might look a little different. But being able to get him out there, I agree, was was so big for them. And he's going to be their ticket into this series. But I also sort of, you know, wouldn't mind if, you know, he decided to co- sort of play the role as, of distributor a little bit more because he did, uh, the, the Bucks did knock down so many threes that if they're, you know, they're going to, they statistically shoot better at home and especially Chris Middleton shoots better at home. So if, if he wants to, you know, pass the ball a little bit more, maybe not to Pat Connaughton, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that the Bucks certainly there's a recipe for them to score a little more. It, it also just is like kind of shocking that their offensive rating last night was 104, considering how many threes they hit. Yeah, and I think that speaks to like they they do need they do need more points out of Giannis down low. That that is a big part of their offense is getting those high percentage looks with him, and he did miss some. Yeah, yeah, he did. I mean, you mentioned it uh, a couple minutes ago too. Like in that first half, especially it felt like there were five times where the Bucks had like a wide open layup and it just somehow rolled out or they would have three guys, you know, Giannis, Tucker and Lopez are all fighting for the same tip in and the ball's just like somehow not going down. Right. 
And I mean, this is a team that they shot well under 50% from two point range in this game. And that's very uncharacteristic for as bad of a three point shooting team as they've been in the playoffs. They've been they've been able to make up for it by being hyper efficient in the lane. And a lot of those shots that were falling in games five and six against the Hawks for Lopez were not going down. Uh, Bobby Portis missed a couple inside. I, I remember one one Middleton layup that spun around a couple times and went out yeah. uh, in the second quarter. And like you said, the, the Suns did a great job of whether it was Giannis or Lopez or Porter or, or even Holiday at times. If, if somebody jump stopped in the lane or caught the ball deep, they were, you know, guys like uh, Cam Johnson and Torrey Craig and Jay Crowder were coming down to dig those out. And, you know, they show it on the replay and, and it looked like a couple times, you know, like Holiday got slapped on the wrist and, and that led to a turnover. But at the end of the day, I, I was actually okay with how this game was called. A, a lot of people where I was watching were not happy with the refereeing. Obviously, there was, for, for part of the game at least, there was a pretty big free throw discrepancy. It ended up being 26 to 16 in terms of attempts, which which isn't that crazy. I, I didn't feel like the Bucks should have more free throw attempts. I, I felt like there were a couple calls, especially on Booker, that went the Suns' way. But, you know, as, as someone who's a little bit more of an impartial observer, like what did you think of the refereeing in game one? I, I, th- I thought it was fine. I mean, I, I thought that there were there were a couple calls. I'm trying to remember. Um, there there was one bogus call on uh, I think on maybe Booker. I don't know, but I mean, I I also like I I'm just kind of past the. It didn't. It wasn't egregious. I don't think no, that there think were so. there were that many calls that like I I think that I'm still confused about the whole uh, flagrant one thing with with like Brook Lopez landed underneath yeah. Chris Paul because I feel like there's a very I feel like there's a very clear line between a guy like um, like Zaza Pachulia, right, trying to injure, right? Like he clearly, like I remember the Kawhi play and Kawhi twisted his thing. Like he clearly landed and then he pushed his foot out. You know, like that that to me is a flagrant and that's that's sort of the spirit of the rule. But when you look at last night, I mean, Brook Lopez just he's tall and lanky and he just went up to contest a jumper and like Chris Paul unfortunately landed on his ankle. I don't understand or his foot. I don't understand what what the problem is with that. And I just I, it is funny to me. I was watching at a bar last night, so there's no sound. And like the closed captioning was on and it's just like, uh, you know, watching the referee say this was, you know, for, for this hostile act. And I'm like, well, what is hostile about, you know, Brook Lopez? Poor Brook Lopez is trying to jump up and contest at three. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think that the free throws were a big story in the Clippers series. If you remember, I mean, I think that there were plenty of Suns fans saying that, you know, that they weren't getting enough free throws and they certainly did last night. Um, but I, I, you know, that anytime Giannis is involved, I mean, he got 12 free throws last night and shockingly that was, you know, they only had 16, they only had four other than that. I, I think that, you know, there's going to be a lot more free throws coming for the Milwaukee Bucks, and there will also probably be more for Drew Holiday, who is, is a guy that attacks so well, but again, just sort of lost his way last night, yep. and, and they need him to get to the line a little bit more because he is a very good free throw shooter. Yeah, he's had a few of these games, Holiday, that is, in these playoffs where it, it, it's just so frustrating to watch. I mean, it, it really is like a Bledsoe redux where you're just like, how like how is he playing? Yeah. Like, how is he taking these shots? It's not like it's not like he just had an off night and you know was getting to the rim and things weren't falling or he wasn't getting calls. Like, I mean, it's clanking, you know, contested pull up twos or, you know, pulling up for three uh, with 20 seconds on the shot clock. You know, it's just, just very like just low basketball IQ plays from a guy who pretty much everyone universally agrees has a crazy high basketball IQ. That's what's so frustrating. Like with Bledsoe is like, this is what we expected. You know, like you, you couldn't, you're fooling yourself if you said like, I can't believe Eric Bledsoe played like this because that's, that's <laughs> what he was. But I mean, I've been long been an Eric Bledsoe stan. He was one of my favorite 2K players, but continue. Oh, of course. He's, he's actually a, a much, much more valuable 2K asset than he's ever been in the oh, NBA. Yeah. I loved him at Kentucky as well. But with Holiday, he's had this entire career of, of building up this reputation as a high IQ player. He's super steady. You know, he's, he's maybe never going to give you the, the 45 point game, but he's never, he's also just never going to bottom out. And it feels like he's bottomed out a few times at some really, really key junctures for the bucks. And, you know, if, if he plays better, I, I still think Phoenix wins this game. Like Paul and Booker were just so good knocking down shots uh, whenever they needed to essentially, uh, especially late in this game to close it out. But Man, it was it was a pretty big step back for Holiday, who I thought played really well at the end of the Hawks series. Yeah, he I mean he did the, those 26 points per game. Like that was the biggest reason why the Bucks were able to get into that series or, or to to close out that series in the fashion that they did. I will also say that you know I mentioned it, but you know the nine assists and seven rebounds for me was big because I think that was a, a sort of a big step forward for Holiday 
in that Atlanta series, he really started to rack up the assists and the rebounds. With Giannis out, there were a lot of rebounds available, and and he was so big for them. I mean, you know, how how big is it really to have a rebounding advantage? But still, I mean, you know, the assists were probably the bigger thing. He he was really good at helping the Bucks have a more imaginative offense because they really had an unimaginative offense with you know Giannis healthy and with Chris Middleton. Um, just, you know, basically taking turnaround jumpers like he's thinks he's Kevin Durant every, every single possession. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's it sort of you mentioned the the, you know, the Bledsoe redux. It definitely felt like that a lot. And I also just think like it, it, he'll be back in this series. But he's sort of to me, like the numbers would sort of point to the fact that like he has been decently consistent in the scoring department. But to me, his biggest performance was in game seven against the Brooklyn Nets. And he was 5 of 23 in that game for 13 yep. points. So you're going to call me crazy for saying that. But he did have, which sounds ridiculous, the, like one of two buckets in overtime. And he led them down the stretch in that game. You know, he he had some huge shots uh, and some huge makes. He he helped them get to that point um, You know, to get to overtime and then to win. And I just think that he's been the guy that when the Bucks have needed him has shown up. And, and I sort of expected when they cut it to 7, I said, okay, well – maybe holiday here just starts to get into his bag because that's what he's done all postseason and he wasn't there. Mm -hmm. But I sort of think that that's what, that's what the, you know, maybe they can deal without him being, you know, consistently there throughout the night scoring, but they're going to need him late in the game. They're going to need that, that other guy to be a closer because you, you remember the, the articles that were written after Chris Middleton at that game winning shot against the heat. And everyone was like, Oh, he's their, he's their closer. You know, they, it's an unlikely closer. He's not their best player. Cause he hit one flipping shot. Um, no, I think drew holiday. Wow, watch your, watch your language, man. Is the closer is the closer for the, the my mother loves to say flipping. So that's, uh, that's, it's part of my <laughs> vocabulary really steadily. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that basically drew holiday has to be the closer for the Milwaukee Bucks, because we know that Giannis is going to draw the double down the stretch. It happened last night, and when that happened, there was really nothing he could do. Um, you know, he he was he was just kind of making wild passes in the air, which is like a cardinal sin of basketball. So I've been trying to get a handle on this Bucks team's identity throughout the playoffs. It's swung dramatically, um, but I, I've settled on the fact that I just do not trust this team. I, I don't I don't think Damn. they're a very I don't think they're a very resilient team. Um, you, know, you think of some of the great teams that we've had just in the last decade. Um, you know, I think I mean, I'm talking all time great teams like those Heat teams, the, the Warriors, for sure. If those teams were trailing by 15, even in a playoff game against a good opponent, you, you always thought like they're coming back. The lead is never safe. Do you I, I don't get that sense from the Bucks at all. And, and maybe that's more of a testament to how well you know Phoenix played last night. It, it just felt like Milwaukee was never able to string together like a score, stop, score. It was always like score, yep. score, or get a stop and then don't score. Like they, they, they were just trading buckets, essentially. Right. They had it down at the 7-16 mark. Giannis lays one in. They have the lead down to seven. At any point watching this game, again, as somebody who's a little more impartial than I am, did you feel like, whoa, the Bucks are going to come back and win this? Or were you pretty confident that Phoenix would hold them off yet again? Yeah, it, it didn't it didn't resemble, you know, the Clippers game six against the Jazz like that. It, it didn't feel like there was an overwhelming amount of momentum. And I, I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that the Bucs are playing on the road. I just think that, like you said, I mean, the Suns are a disciplined team. They know where their strengths lie and they have, you know, great shooters. Cam Johnson stepped up last night. Uh, with Saric out, and we haven't even talked about Saric, but I mean, I sort of feel like that injury is huge for the Suns. I think that I think that they're going to be way better now, not running Dario Saric out there for big minutes. Um, you know, Cam Cam Johnson is 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 better, I think, than Dario Saric. Um, you know, the Tory Craig thing is another story. He was a minus ten last night, but um, yeah, I I think that I was not worried at all that, or I I was worried the whole time, I should say, because I didn't think the Bucks were going to win. Um, and and I just like you said again, they can get those high percentage looks with Eaton, and that's what helped helped them really. I mean, it, it, they had a couple of timely shots from the perimeter, but in the end, it was really DeAndre Eaton just you know getting in his bag down low, uh, mm -hmm. scoring in the post, and that's what they were able to use to lift themselves back out of those holes and and fend off the Bucks. But again, also you know we saw at the end of games that were close in the, in that Brooklyn series and and even in the Atlanta series. 
I mentioned that unimaginative offense, and we talked about it on the podcast last time. But they just, I feel like when they get close in these games, they just, they sort of panic and it's, they sort of rely on Giannis to save them. And last night, you know, he, he just was lost passing out of doubles and um, trying to finish through contact and just not doing a good job of it. But he, he sort of is a, is just a guy that um, maybe I, I don't want to like use that, the cliche of like at the moment's too big. Cause I don't think that that's the case, but I just sort of feel like, um, when the other team can sense when the offense is all on Giannis's shoulders and it's pretty easy to just say, well, we're just going to not let him beat us. And we're going to let, you know, Bobby Portis shoot from outside. And it worked, it worked for the Suns, And I think that they're just going to continue to focus all the attention on Giannis. And I don't know if the Bucks role players are really good enough to save them. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. So we talked about finals MVP a couple of weeks ago when you were on the pod. And at that point we were, I think we were like midway through Clippers Suns, and, and Bucks Hawks was maybe just getting underway at that point. Um, we, we, we talked at the time about Chris Paul and, you know, if the Suns got to this point, uh, how I think we were both on the same page in that unless Devin Booker or I guess DeAndre Ayton, um, you know, like they, the gap in statistics would have to be so massive for one of those guys to win finals MVP and after one game, I I feel more strongly that this is going to be Chris Paul's final M- finals MVP than I had at any other point in the playoffs. Really? I mean, I, 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 I think that I think that it's the coronavirus has left his system. He's playing what he's playing better. He looks like himself again. Two two games in a row now. Mm-hmm. But I, I still am really tempted by DeAndre Ayton plus a thousand. I, I think that DeAndre Ayton was was probably the biggest reason why they won last night. And I think that we've seen a lot. Look, it's as sad as it is to talk about this, like the, the finals MVP is very narrative driven. And that's why we were saying, okay, well, Chris Paul, you know, that when, at the time, what was he like plus 400 or something? We were like, this is a great bet. Or you were like, this is a great bet. And I was like, I agree. But the narrative for like DeAndre Ayton has so much momentum in the coverage of the Phoenix Suns this postseason, I, And I feel like, a lot of people are talking about, you know, this breakout performance from him this postseason. And, and to, to me, like, first of all, Devin Booker at plus 300, I don't have any interest because he sort of has taken a backseat, not only to Chris Paul, but now DeAndre Ayton. But I sort of feel like his odds are still a little too long here 
you know, why why are we making Chris Middleton plus 700 and, and DeAndre Ayton plus 1,000? I mean, the odds would very clearly indicate, right, that the Bucks are, well, first of all, the Bucks aren't going to win the finals, but Giannis at plus 600, you know, the odds, on, I'm looking at DraftKings, but, you know, the odds sort of would just would just indicate, right, that they're, they're, they're basically counting out the, the Milwaukee Bucks from these finals MVP odds. So I just, I feel like DeAndre Ayton is, is probably like the second most important player for them right now and, and could easily, you know, levitate to the, or I don't know, grow or uh, move up or I don't know what, what you want to, what adjective you want to use, but um, I think he could easily vault into the, into the vault. Favorite. I think that's what we're looking for. Yeah, there you go. Vault to the, to the most important yeah. player on the floor. And uh, to, to just think about it, right? We talked a lot about Drew Holiday and how he's important, but who is the most important player to stop on the Milwaukee Bucks? It's their center, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He is a center. And mm-hmm. what did we see early in game one? We saw DeAndre Ayton checking Giannis on the perimeter. And I think that that's something that they're they're just going to put DeAndre Ayton on Giannis. And they can do that because they know they're not, they're not, this isn't going to pull up. And DeAndre Ayton has a decent amount of, you know, uh, of horizontal movement. Um, he's good enough on his feet that he can, he can, you know, hang with Giannis if he tries to go to the rim, but he doesn't have to worry about a jump shot. So I think that he's, he's going to be guarding Giannis and I think that he'll do a decent enough job here to really warrant consideration for this award. I had mentioned before the series that I liked his odds. I think they were pretty similar to what they are now. Maybe he was like, you know, plus 1500 or something, Mm -hmm. but come on, man. I mean, if you want to make a bet on finals MVP, I'm definitely taking DeAndre, and I'm not taking Chris Paul minus 143. I'm certainly not taking Devin Booker. Devin Booker had, uh, you know, no one's talking about it, but he hasn't looked as good after the nose injury. Uh, he really just hasn't looked like himself ever since that big game one, mm-hmm. and then he got headbutted by Pat Bev. He just hasn't really, he hasn't really been explosive for them. DeAndre Ayton's a value play. He's definitely the value play. I, I, I'm just talking who I think is going to win it and who I think I, probably I still think win it. it's Ayton's. I really do. Well, I mean, I, I just feel like the Chris Paul narrative is so strong, right? Like it, it, the eight, it's competing narratives. Like the eight narrative is great. I think in a normal year, you know, this, this upstart, you know, I, I think Bam Adebayo had a lot of that same momentum going into last year's finals. And, and of course the heat losing the series, you know, knocked him out of contention, but it, it does feel kind of similar where a lot of people are starting to recognize like, Hey, this guy's way more important for this team than maybe we thought he was. Uh, and it's, and it's kind of built and built with each passing round. So I don't think you're wrong about it. I just think the Chris Paul narrative is like, a career long narrative like this. It, I, I just think so many people, especially the type of people who vote for this award, we called it a lifetime achievement finals MVP. I, I feel like that's exactly how it's going to go. It could be it could be a lifetime achievement award. And, you know, to, to your point, you know, which I mentioned, like it, it is a very narrative driven thing. And like, it doesn't really necessarily matter if Chris Paul is the best player on the floor or the most important player on the floor. I mean, they might just give it to him to be nice. Um, but it's, yeah, I, I, I mean, certainly he's the favorite for reason, and I do think that there's a very good chance that he wins Finals MVP. Um, I, I am just a little bit worried about, you know, he's I, he's still not like making those mid-range jumpers as automatically as he normally does. He's still, I still think he's prone to having a bad game or two in this series, and you know that's my only thinking with with Aiton is like I just feel like he's the he's just been the model of consistency for this team. He's been rock solid, um, but. You know, any of these guys really are capable of blowing it and having bad games. And Devin Booker, frankly, I mean, we know that he's one of the most talented scorers in this league. He could easily um, put together, you know, three 40-point games in a row and and take finals MVP from Chris Paul. But it is a good story. You know, I am happy that Chris Paul is in this position that even I I held my breath when he rolled his ankle. I was like, is this happening again for Chris Paul? But it, it is nice to see he deserves this, and he'll certainly deserve finals MVP when he wins it. Last thing on this series, would, would winning the title, finishing off this run, uh, even in a weird season, like would, would that definitively change how you think about specifically Devin Booker and DeAndre? And I, I think it's been well discussed what this would mean for Chris Paul. But you know, I think to like what the 2016 finals meant for Kyrie. You know, I, I think that, that was kind of the official coronation right. of Kyrie Irving is now on another level as a player. And you know how it's gone since then has... You know, I, I don't know that he's officially kind of elevated himself, um, but Devin Booker, I feel like specifically is in that same position where, you know, he's a lot of the credit if they finish this off is going to go to Chris Paul. A lot of it's going to go to Aiton. 
But at the end of the day, Booker is still the centerpiece of this team. And, and it looks like it's going to be that way for the foreseeable future. Like, I, I think for guys that are young, you know, in, in your mid to low 20s, like Booker is like to get this early in your career. And it was the same story for Kyrie to kind of just get that off your back early on is so big. You're kind of playing with house money the rest of the way. You're never at risk of having your own Chris Paul narrative where you're 15 years in and you still haven't won a title and people are starting to feel bad for you. Um, but does it change like how you view him as a player at all? I It, it changes a little bit, but I, you know, I'm just looking now. I mean, he, he, can you guess how many times he's hit more than one three since the beginning of the Clippers series? Ooh, uh, I'm going to say once. It, it was twice. He had twice. he had three threes in the in the first game of that series or that series when he he scored 40 points and then in uh, game five he had four triples. He had 31 points. I, I to me I just I, he's sort of underwhelmed me this postseason. Um, he's had those two incredible games. I think that you know there was that uh, he he had undeniable momentum coming out of that Lakers series with that closeout game and everyone. You know, saying, wow, closeout game, Devin Booker. And then, of course, um, he, he had a decent closeout game against the, the Nuggets, although no one really cared because, like, you know, the Nuggets didn't have Jamal Murray. They were not expected to win that series. And closeout game against the Clippers was pretty bad. But um, I, I, I still think that, you know, I want to see something else from him in the finals. I think that we will. I think that we'll see a really good game from him. But I, I think that he still has to uh, he has to do something in the NBA Finals for me to be like, okay, well, yeah, the, you know, this guy's really taking the next step. He because he still does feel like the second fiddle to Chris Paul. And to me, mm-hmm. I, I still think that it's changed the way that we've all thought about DeAndre Ayton. You know, he he went down in the scoring department this year. Um, I think that he has a lot a lot more pressure on him as a former number one pick, and and now in his third season to kind of prove it. I mean, he's still developing a lot. But he he really that that that's been the overwhelming you know storyline for me is how well DeAndre Ayton's played. I know I've talked about it a lot and I can, I'll, I'll shut my mouth about it, but um, he, he's he's really just given them a lot on the defensive end. And then when you look over the last four games, I mean the rebounding has just been absolutely incredible to just completely swing the momentum in that Clippers series. You know, he's averaged 17 rebounds in the last four games, and he's again, given them that consistent option when they their shooting just has completely struggled. And to me, Booker just hasn't really shot the ball that well. I, I'm willing to give him an excuse because he got hurt. But I, I still think that, like, we need to see him win a game by himself in this series. And then and then we can give – I mean, Kyrie, I, I think it's a fair comparison. But when you think about how well Kyrie Irving played in that postseason, really for two postseasons mm-hmm. – Remember when he went down in game one against the Warriors? Like, that was – we were like, well, man, the series is over. Like, that, you know, that that was a devastating injury for them when he when it broke his kneecap or whatever. I mean, it was yep. devastating in general, but, you know, for the for the, the Cavs. Like, I to me, if Devin Booker went down with an injury, I still feel like the Suns would win. And that's probably a little bit because the Bucks, I don't trust them. But, I, you know, they, they could I, – I think – I still think they could make up the contributions and win a seven-game series – as hard, it would be hard, but anyway, I, I still think that uh, he's a good player and, and he is the future of this team. I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but um, I don't think he's elevated himself to like Kyrie in the finals quite yet. I mean, that guy was putting up 40-point nights like every night with LeBron. He was, I mean, he he was a scoring machine in that series. And uh, to me, Devin Booker just hasn't really been there yet. And uh, he could. He's got all the talent in the world, but not yet. All right, we got a little bit of time. You have a Mets-Brewers game to get to this afternoon. But 2021-22 NBA MVP odds are finally up at the DraftKings Sportsbook. I believe these were just added on Wednesday morning. I, I want to get your take on a few of these guys. There's a long list here, like 50-plus guys um, who are eligible to, to, to be wagered on on the DraftKings Sportsbook. But as we know, uh, in most years, it's usually going to be you know one of the top at least like 10 guys in terms of preseason odds. Uh, it's, it's a deep field, though. I mean, there's a ton of top end talent in the league right now. But I, I want to get your take. We have Luka Doncic, who's number one in the odds. He's at plus 450. Uh, I'm not going to read all the numbers, but in order uh, of most likely to win MVP, we have Doncic, Embiid, Durant, Giannis, Curry, LeBron, Lillard, Jokic, Devin Booker, and James Harden. That's your top 10. And any any of the numbers, I assume you have this up on your end as well. Do any of these numbers stand out to you as really appealing? 
I'm actually trying to find it because I, I okay. can't find it. Um, but I, I so yeah, I actually wanted to see the numbers really quick. I'm looking for uh, I'm looking for them now. Okay. Well, while you do that, I'll I'll read them off. So we okay. have Doncic at plus four fifty, Embiid at seven to one, Durant plus seven twenty five, Giannis plus seven fifty, Curry plus seven fifty, LeBron eleven to one, Lillard eleven to one, Jokic fifteen to one, Booker eighteen to one, Harden twenty to one. So I, I I see uh, I see something now, but yeah. So I what, what stood out to me when you read it to me, I think we're looking at the same article now. Is uh, Steph Curry at plus 750, and I was just uh, I don't know why, but I I was I was watching like some Clay Thompson highlights yesterday. I don't know it might have come up on Twitter or something, but I totally forgot about Clay Thompson. I'm, I'll be completely honest. Um, and it's been two years. Yeah, look. The, the the Warriors are gonna be really good next year. They're gonna be really good. The 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 return of Clay Thompson. I mean, look at how good they were this year. They uh, almost made the playoffs. I mean, I guess they did technically if you want to count the play-in tournament. And they didn't have. I mean, it was just Curry. That was it. That was their whole team. Getting Clay Thompson back is going to be giant for them. Wiggins had a fantastic year. Like they've quietly built a a really good team when they haven't really been contending for the last two years. I still think like that Damian Lee is a really good role player. I, I know that I uh, will probably get made fun of for saying that, and I just don't, still don't think he's just on the team because he is uh, in in law of Steph Curry's. I think that they I, have I'm like not a, convinced about, of that, but continue. I just think they have a good bench, and I think that they have like good young talent. James Wiseman, uh, I again, I'm also like sort of not sold on him, but they could trade him for someone really good. I've been, you know, there's been rumors that they might trade James Wiseman to get another star. I mean, they're they're sort of in the driver's seat right now to me um, to have like a top three finish in the West. I think that that you know as as well as some of these other teams played at times like the Nuggets and the Suns. I mean, we and the Jazz. I mean, we saw like the West was still very much up for grabs. We saw that the the Utah Jazz weren't the you know the the powerhouse that we thought they were going to be earlier in the season. We saw that LeBron is a little older. I think that the West is just up for grabs at this point. It reminds you of like the East six years ago. And to me, to get a former unanimous MVP, uh, two-time MVP, plus 750, I think that that's basically a bet on the Warriors being really good next year. If the Warriors are really good. I think that Curry is going to – I think that he unlocked something this year. I think that he's been a more daring shot taker. You know, he can be a very good shot maker from anywhere, and I think that – you know, with this sort of renewed confidence in himself, I, I think that he could have a fantastic year. He quietly was really good again this year. And uh, I know that it's not like daring to say a plus 750, you know, the, the guy with the third best odds is going to win. But if I'm looking up there, I think that that's what I'm most excited about. Um, and maybe Dame at plus 1100. But I also have a lot of, I mean, it, it depends on if he gets traded. Um like if Damian Lillard got traded to the Knicks, first of all, you know, I, I wouldn't be on this podcast. I'd be on like a two-week bender. But number two, Damian Lillard also would probably win MVP because I think that that team around him would be good enough. The system would be good enough where um, he would elevate that team from like fourth in the East to maybe like second. And then maybe they win a playoff series and, mm -hmm. you know, people recognize how valuable he is. But yeah, uh, that, that's where I'm at. I think Steph Curry, I think the Warriors going to have a really good season. That's my That's my big take. Everything you said about Steph is spot on. Uh, I'm, I'm with you there. I think this is an appealing number and, and one that, you know, is probably going to come down um, as we get closer to the season and, and once the season starts. Lillard is the other guy I wanted to highlight, and, and there's a couple more that I'll get to real quickly. But I, I think a trade out of Portland would just kind of reset everything for him. Like, I, I just don't think he can win it in Portland. I, I, I think he's like kind of maxed out statistically, um, and that team is kind of maxed out with what they can do. But I think he could have like the same statistical season somewhere else, but the narrative would change. You know, it would be probably a more fun scenario, especially if it were a team like the Knicks where you know, the guard would be going crazy every night. He would just be this even bigger star than he already is. And I, I don't think he would even need to go a level up in terms of how he's playing. I just think the narrative around him would, would again, it would reset. It would just be a new phase of Damian Lillard's career and everybody would be really excited about it. And I think he could kind of ride that wave. So I think Lillard at 11 to one makes a lot of sense. How about the guy who just dominated the NBA this entire season and never gets hurt and never misses games at 15 to one? Yeah, that's crazy. It 15 really to is. one. I mean, I don't, I don't think like if I had to predict who wins the MVP regardless of odds, I, I wouldn't predict that he repeats. But 
I, I mean, he's been extremely consistent throughout these last few years. He, he took things to another level this past year. They're going to be without their second best player for most of the season. Like there is a path where the Nuggets are a top four team again. Jokic is a little bit better than he was last year. And he rides the no Murray, we're still a good team narrative to a second straight MVP. I mean, 15 to one. That's insane. It really is. Um, it. I mean, like you would think that the former MVP would be lower than that. Um, I, I, I really like Kawhi Leonard plus 2,500. If we're going to talk about guys in the West, I mean, he's the opposite because he misses a lot of time. But I still feel like plus 25. Look, this is not Kawhi Leonard is not in a like we there's a huge problem in the NBA right now because Chris Porzingis obviously had all those knee issues. Right. And he missed like two years with the tour ACL. And then Kevin Durant, same thing. But those are th- those are like the last two, I feel like, big knee injuries that like kept stars out. And if you think about it, they didn't need either. Like the Mavericks were punting a couple years ago. They were like ready to contend this year. The, the Nets also, in a bigger way, were punting when Kevin Durant was hurt. They were like, okay, well – you know, we're going to, we're going to wait to contend anyway. Like we got to still, you know, build the, the rest of our team out. Obviously, you know, they, they had some sort of trade in their mind. And I feel like Kawhi Leonard is definitely going to play next year as in my medical opinion, because there's no reason for him to just sit a year. It's not like he's in a, in a, on a team like the Warriors where, you know, they have some sort of long-term plan. He might not even play for the Clippers next year. But to me, this postseason sort of reminded me like how good Kawhi Leonard is. Like he is absolutely one of the three best players in the world. I have no problem saying that. I have no problem taking flack if people don't agree with me. I really do feel like that. And I think that all season long, he really just managed his minute. He didn't really play at all this season because they were they were getting ready for the postseason. He still managed to put up good numbers. And I sort of feel like he might come out with a vengeance next year, maybe after this whole Clippers situation, if there really is some sort of issue with him and the medical staff. I mean, you, you talk about Jokic being it being ridiculous that he's plus 1,500 considering how good he was this year and how he's also one of the three best players in the world. I think you got to also put Kawhi Leonard up there at kind of ridiculous odds at plus 2,500. I think a lot of the injuries baked in there, and I know that there's a lot working against him, but come on. I mean, his talent is absolutely insane. To me, he, he still is capable of being one of the best players in the world. It's just a matter of his situation next year. Um, it might be a wait and see approach, sort of like the Damian Lillard thing, but that that is sort of ridiculous to me. I, I'm also looking at Anthony Davis at plus 2,500 as well. You know where I stand on Kawhi. I think he has a torn ACL and he's going to miss most, if not all, of next season. We have, but that's we have not very an different... injury. That's my point. That's not an injury that needs to keep him out for a year. That's if they're being super cautious. And but he's I know not going to that... win MVP if he misses if he comes back at the All Star break. But it, uh, that's not uh, – it, it, he needs, like, maybe five months to rehab that. I don't feel like that's that's an injury that ha- necessarily has to leak into next year. I mean, we also don't know if it's a torn ACL. He might just – he might have just had a partial tear or something. Go ahead, though. Uh, yeah, we'll see. That, that's we'll right, see. man. Trey Young at 25-1 to 1 is interesting. I, I heard you decrying Trey Young on the DK show when I, when I first joined the call. I, I'm not a huge Trey Young guy. But I feel like people really like Trey Young now after these playoffs. I, I'm not sure if that's a correct opinion. That's um, correct. But that's correct. if, but if I mean, if the Hawks kind of pick up where they left off and they're surprisingly better next season, and and one of these top three teams in the East has an injury, or or the Sixers take a big step back, and all of a sudden the Hawks are the three seed, and and Trey's averaging 30 points per game and nine assists. I, I mean, there's there's a path there. I, I think multiple guys would have to like take themselves out of the race ahead of him. Like it's it's pretty hard for me to say like. Trey Young's going to have a definitively better season than Nikola Jokic or Kevin Durant or Steph Curry. Right. But if that's two where of I'm at. right, and if if two of those three guys get hurt, I don't maybe something opens up. But there's a reason he's 25 to one. It just feels like there was a a pretty big upswell of Trey Young momentum coming out of these playoffs. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that I I think that what you said at the end of that that statement though is the most important thing. I mean, I think we're fooling ourselves if we say Trey Young is going to be, you know, uh, going to outshine Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, who we haven't even talked about, um, you know, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, like anybody from the Nets, anybody from the Warriors. I, I think that, like, he might end up being a top 10 player this year. I think that's a pretty realistic um, expectation. I think that would also be, like, a really uh, good achievement for him if he was one of the top 10 players in the NBA. He can get there. But to me, you know, I, I think that this guy sort of gets romanticized a little bit 
I mean, this is a 34% three-point shooter for his career. Um, yep. He's. It's also a guy that 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 took sort of a step back this year, scoring the basketball. And I know that he's scored fewer points. I believe he took fewer threes as well. Um, by like, I think by like three per game. By a lot. Was, yeah. yeah it was More a free throws, fewer threes. Margin. He changed the way he played in the postseason. But yeah, I decried him because I just like I don't I don't think that he is that good. I really don't. I think that he has the ability to be that good, and I think that he transformed himself into a great playmaker this postseason. Um, you know, he was really important to them. He also obviously has like that automatic floater or whatever, but watching him just brick threes has really got me wondering how, you know, how, if he can win a, you know, an MVP, like at least this young and this early in his career. Um, I think that people think he's like Steph Curry because he, you know, he, he can hit those types of shots. And as we know, the NBA is just consumed on highlights on the Bleacher Report app. So you just get a push notification that Kevin Durant had a dunk and that's all you need to know about the day. Yep. And I think that he has, you know, those ridiculous games and those ridiculous shots. But like the whole body of work for me just isn't impressive enough. The Hawks, though, I, I think they're legit. So that is one thing working for him. I do think that the Hawks are going to play really well again this year, make the playoffs. And that could certainly lead to him winning MVP. But I don't know if it's – I mean, I'd rather have – like, I feel like, you know, John Collins or DeAndre Hunter would maybe have a better shot. I think that they could take huge steps forward next year. All right. Well, somebody's running a weed whacker or some sort of uh, outdoor appliance right outside my window. So this is a good time to I'm cut it off. I'm glad that you called it a weed whacker. I have been – I saw some sort of debate on Twitter that some people call it a weed eater. And I just came yeah. from Georgia, and that is – I I confirm that some people do call it a weed eater. Not really sure what's going on with that. Glad you're a normal person and call it a weed whacker. Curious how the listeners here yeah. define that tool. Yeah, I mean, anybody who's still listening this deep into the pod, please, we implore you, let us know on Twitter. I, I almost feel like I use those interchangeably, but I would definitely say weed whacker first. It, it doesn't eat weed. If it was like a lawnmower with a bag, right. it would eat weeds, but it doesn't eat, it just whacks them. It definitely does whack them. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard people, some people around here call it a string trimmer. That's just like a little too proper. That sounds like a British term, a right. string trimmer. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's not going to fly in, in Southeastern Wisconsin, but I know you got to run Kenny. Appreciate the time as always. We'll talk soon. Good to be with you, Nick. Thanks for having me on and really looking forward to the next time we can do this. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.